AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 60 of AFF On Air, the podcast that teaches you how to maximise your frequent flyer points. It's Saturday the 15th of May 2021. Many Australians who have been stuck overseas over the past year have found it extraordinarily difficult to fly home because of the government's low international arrival caps and hotel quarantine capacity limits, many Australians have been bumped from flights that they've been booked on. Even some passengers on expensive paid airfares have been kicked off their flights, let alone people who've booked or tried to book using frequent flyer points. But it seems that it is possible to return to Australia using points after all. It's definitely not easy and the risk of getting bumped is very high. But later in the podcast, I'll speak to an Australian who did manage to successfully book an award ticket for her partner to fly back to Australia from Europe last month. And also coming up, I'll take some questions from the audience about Singapore Airlines' Chris Flymiles and Qantas Business Rewards Points. But first, we begin with a roundup of the latest airline and frequent flyer news from the past fortnight. And in news that's shocked many Australians, the federal government has predicted in this week's annual budget that Australia's international borders will not reopen to most countries until the middle of 2022. That's more than six months later than previously predicted, and more than two years after international borders to Australia were closed in March 2020. As a result of the revised forecasts, Qantas has pushed back the planned restart of its international flights, other than to New Zealand, until at least the 19th of December 2021. Since February, Qantas had been selling international tickets starting from the 31st of October this year. And Virgin Australia now says that it will not resume any international flights until at least December 2021 either, the only exception being Virgin flights to Queenstown in New Zealand, which is scheduled to resume in September. There is still a possibility of more travel bubbles opening with individual countries before mid-2022, and there are plans underway to bring back a limited number of international students before then as well. Bubbles with countries in Asia or the Pacific Islands could be next, although there have not yet been any specific announcements. The Australian government's budget documents also note that the rate of international arrivals will continue to be constrained by state and territory quarantine caps over 2021 and the first half of 2022, with the exception of passengers from safe travel zones such as New Zealand, which indicates that the federal government plans to continue using quarantine for at least another year. But the federal government, other than expanding the capacity of the Howard Springs quarantine facility in the Northern Territory, has not put in any new measures in the budget or any new funding for additional quarantine facilities. And tens of thousands of Australians are still stuck overseas more than a year into the pandemic. The tourism sector has hit out at what it's calling border roulette. Simon Westaway from the Australian Tourism Industry Council said that the federal budget outlook indicates no foreseeable international market recovery for Australia's visitor economy, and that this sadly spells further tourism business and job losses. But on the domestic aviation front, things are looking a lot better. If there's one silver lining from the budget, the federal government now believes that the worst of Australia's internal state border closures are now behind us. 
And Qantas is set to expand its new Embraer E-190 jet fleet from three to eight aircraft, putting on more regional flights. Qantas will welcome the first of the Embraer E-Jets, which will be operated by Alliance Airlines but painted in Qantas Link colours in just a couple of weeks. Those jets will be based in Adelaide and Darwin. The jets will initially serve routes between Adelaide, Alice Springs and Darwin, but Qantas now says that it will. they will also fly direct between Canberra and Darwin and between Adelaide and the Gold Coast, with more E-190 routes from Adelaide to be announced in the coming weeks. The Qantas Link E-190s will have 10 business class seats in a 1-2 layout and 84 economy seats in a 2-2 configuration, meaning there are no middle seats on the plane. The mid-sized regional jets are capable of flying for up to 5 hours, making them perfect for long, thin routes like Darwin to Canberra, where the Boeing 717 doesn't have the range, and there's not enough demand to fill an entire Boeing 737. Qantas is also continuing to expand into other regional routes with a new Dash 8 service from Melbourne to Burnie in Tasmania launching in June. For the past 15 years, this route had been served exclusively by Rex. Qantas Link is also adding second daily frequencies on some of its new routes like Sydney to Orange, Sydney to Griffith and Sydney to Bendigo. And it's putting more Boeing 717s on the Sydney to Coffs Harbour route, which now also has business class available. Meanwhile, Rex has dropped airfares on its Melbourne to Sydney route to as low as $39 one way, excluding booking fees. Virgin Australia has matched the low fares, which include checked baggage on both airlines. And Virgin Australia passengers departing from Melbourne now have access to a second temporary lounge, which opened last week to relieve overcrowding at the other temporary lounge at Melbourne Airport until the renovations of the main lounge are completed around the middle of this year. Until that happens, the temporary club lounge, which was the existing one in Melbourne, will remain available to Velocity Platinum members and business class passengers. But Velocity Gold members, Virgin Australia lounge members, flyers using complimentary lounge passes and frequent flyers of eligible partner airlines will now instead have access to a pop-up lounge located between the AFL Kitchen and Bar and McDonald's in Terminal 3 of Melbourne Airport. I visited the pop-up lounge on its first day of operation last week, and it seemed like a pretty good temporary solution, I thought. It's not the kind of lounge that you'd get to the airport early for, but think of it as a nice airport restaurant where all of the food and drinks are for free. The food options included things like toasted sandwiches, croissants, salads, wraps, and cheese and crackers, and there was a fully stocked bar and barista coffee station. There are seats at the back of the lounge with charging outlets and a good view across the airfield, although there are no toilets in the lounge, so you'd have to walk over to the public toilets near McDonald's. Velocity Frequent Flyers' six-monthly transfer offer is back for May 2021, with 15-30% to 30% bonus points available when you transfer points to Velocity from a participating Australian credit card rewards program. You'll earn 15% bonus points when transferring points to Virgin Australia's Frequent Flyer program from most Australian bank-operated loyalty programs except for the Commonwealth Bank. There is an additional 15% bonus available when transferring from ANZ Rewards or ANZ Business Rewards, bringing the total bonus for ANZ customers to 30%. And American Express Platinum and Centurion cardholders can transfer to Velocity and get a 20% bonus. To coincide with the launch of this promotion, ANZ and HSBC have now finally resumed allowing their rewards program members to transfer points out to Velocity Frequent Flyer. 
This is just over a year now since the option was suspended due to Virgin entering voluntary administration. And ANZ and HSBC were the last two banks in Australia that were blocking transfers still to Velocity. The ACCC has proposed to reject the request by Qantas and Japan Airlines to form a joint venture on flights between Japan and Australia and New Zealand. Qantas had promised that it would add a new service from Cairns to Tokyo on an A330, in addition to the existing Jetstar service, if the joint venture was approved. But the ACCC balked at the idea of Qantas and Japan Airlines, Qantas also owning Jetstar of course, being allowed to coordinate on pricing and schedules to Japan when they have such a large combined market share between the two destinations. But the ACCC has this week approved a partnership between Velocity Frequent Flyer and 7-Eleven. Qantas Club has changed its pricing, significantly reducing the joining fee, but increasing the cost of membership renewals. It now costs $99 for Australians to join Qantas Club, which is down from $399, but the annual renewal fee has now increased to $600. Qantas Club discounts are still available to Australian frequent flyer gold members via the AFF corporate scheme. And the discount for AFF members is now $157 on a one-year renewal or $296 on a two-year renewal. And AFF members can also save $37 on the one-off joining fee. American Express Platinum card holders will lose access to their complimentary digital subscription of the Australian Financial Review from the 30th of June. And today is the final day to book Qantas flights to or from New Zealand and earn double status credits and bonus points. Qantas is giving double status credits on trans-Tasman Qantas flights booked between the 10th and the 15th of May 2021 for travel between the 17th of May and the 28th of February next year. Not only that, but with this promotion, you'll get 5,000 bonus Qantas points just for booking a flight to or from New Zealand. To take advantage of this offer, you would need to register on the Qantas website before booking. And you can find a link to the registration page in the Australian Frequent Flyer article about this, which is in the episode notes, or just have a look on our website. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. As anyone who's tried to travel to or from Australia over the past year would know all too well, getting into or out of the country is no longer just a simple matter of buying a ticket and turning up at the airport. Australians now need an exemption to leave the country, and coming back is proving especially difficult due to the low inbound arrival caps and the risk of getting bumped off your flight. With so many people getting bumped from flights into Australia and airlines generally prioritising passengers who've paid the highest airfares for their tickets, trying to come back to Australia from overseas on a frequent flyer reward ticket at the moment is particularly a risky proposition. But at least one person has managed to do it. When Devon Indig's partner needed to travel to the Netherlands earlier this year, she managed to book her partner tickets to Amsterdam and back using uh, frequent flyer points. It required a lot of thorough planning, and Devon made sure there were plenty of backup options, but in the end, it did work out. And to tell me about it, Devon joins me now on the AFF On Air podcast. Welcome. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for your time, firstly. And 
I guess to start with, if you could just let our listeners know, why did your partner need to go to the Netherlands this year? Um, so Shalini was um, basically offered a redundancy at her work. So she knew she was finishing up work in December and her mother was showing increasing signs of dementia um, just in Harlem, just outside of Amsterdam. And um, so she, you know, the combination of knowing she was going to have a break basically with work and it was just before Christmas meant she said, oh, it's a perfect time for me to try and travel to see my mom and spend some time with her. We were supposed to be there for Eurovision um, in 2020 in May, but obviously that got cancelled due to COVID. So it was quite a, a gap. And like her mom's 86 and she really wanted to see her. And Shalini's originally from the Netherlands, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. She's from yeah, near in Harlem. Yeah, so it's important to be there for her mother, I guess. And uh, was it difficult for her to get an exemption from the Australian government just to leave the country in the first place? Yeah, look, it's been such a moving feast that, you know, when she really decided she wanted to go, she did a lot of the research about the exemption categories. And so she went and laboriously got all the paperwork from her mother's doctor, you know, de- you know demonstrating her kind of compassionate grounds and got wrote her own, you know, very detailed letter of why she wanted to go. And so she kind of did all of the compassionate ground steps. But then um, I don't know if it came up in the news that things had changed, but I think the whole category of going for three plus months kind of became clear as a basically an easier pathway. And she, I don't know if she'd read it or, if, um, but basically she applied and within 24 hours she was approved to go on the condition that she goes for three months. Yeah, and I think so, if, you, if you take that option, like if you apply on the basis you're going for more than three months, which is one of the newer options that was introduced at the end of last year, I think you have to sign a stat deck saying that you understand the risks of coming back. Right. I think, I, I don't remember, but I'm sure she must have done. Um, but the main thing is we were in Tasmania on a little holiday and she put an application like the day before we left and within 24 hours she got approved. Okay, and oh, that's really she good. she understood that it was a junior officer approving those three months applications. As opposed to when you go to compassionate grounds, it goes to a more senior person. So that's why so many are getting rejected. Is they're much more scrutinised, I guess, when you say you're going for less. Um, yeah, sure. But ironically, it didn't seem like no one ever followed it up to know if she was gone for three months or check her flights because they know that you can't book your flights before you get your approval. So they never actually seemed to check her flights to know if she was going for three months. Okay, I mean, in this case, she was, of course. But yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So once you got the exemption, I imagine that booking the outbound ticket to the Netherlands shouldn't have been too difficult. What did you end up booking for her to get to Amsterdam? She was quite, I mean, the Netherlands was having a huge spike in COVID in um, December, January. It actually shut down for the first time. So she was very worried about traveling without health insurance or travel insurance, uh-huh. you know, which obviously didn't want to catch it herself. So one of the factors when we were looking at tickets and everything was, you know, which airlines actually include insurance. And Emirates, you know, we, we happened to find an Emirates first class uh, ward booking and um, and it came with this 30 days COVID insurance as well, which was like a double selling point, not only that we found a first class <laughs> seat, but also that it was, um, you know, came with this insurance that none of these other airlines or I, I don't know, maybe some are now, but it was a nice bonus to have that little bit of security if you catch it en route. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of looked into all the different um, – there were quite a few flights because this was post-Christmas. This was January. She decided you know, she wanted to go around mid-January. And so uh, this was about mid-December, late November when I was looking at tickets. So it was a good six months notice, I guess, for aiming to come back mid-April, ideally, was the plan. 
Um, so getting the tickets out wasn't hard. Um, I booked about six flights with a couple of days in between on as many airlines as I could with like Emirates, Qatar, Etihad and Cathay. Um, and at that time, if you recall, Emirates uh, stopped flying to Australia for a week. Yeah. And um, so things like that, like you just can't predict. Yeah. No, I mean, so um, so I had I have points in we both have points in like American Airlines and Qantas and and some Singapore Airlines uh, miles. And we don't have status with any of those airlines or any airline at all. Um, but I knew having all those different currencies through your podcast and webinars and, you know, just all the learnings I've been doing on Trick and Flyer would be helpful in basically having options and they're all refundable. So um, when her, the ticket first class Emirates ticket became available, you know, and that was the first flight, I just canceled all the other ones as soon as she got on it. Yeah, and so these are all award bookings um, using frequent flyer points. And, of course, the airlines are being a bit more generous now with letting you cancel for free. So I, I like the idea of uh, just booking flights on, you know, a few days apart and just uh, seeing which one gets, which, which one works. And I guess in this case, That's the first right. one you booked worked out using Qantas points. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and it was actually cheaper than normal for Qantas Emirates first. Like it was – I don't know. Qantas maybe have changed some of their ticketing. But um, but I was like, it was $400 in taxes, and usually Emirates is super expensive. And I was like, oh, that's worth it, definitely. Yeah, yeah they did actually decrease the taxes on Emirates award bookings around the middle of last year, I think. But no one's really noticed because no one's booking Emirates award tickets at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> or almost nobody. But um, so that that worked out fine to get to the Netherlands. But then three months later, of course, she needed to come back to Australia. And as we all know, there's a huge risk of getting bumped from flights, especially if you're on, a, on an award ticket or even if you're on just a paid ticket. Um, and it's not one of the sort of top full fare business or economy sort of fare classes. So did you use the same strategy then to get back, just booking lots of different tickets that are all refundable? Yeah, look, I um, definitely did. In the end, I booked 10 um, different tickets home, eight of which were frequent flyer um, awards and then two paid tickets. And I had just booked the eight kind of frequent flyer tickets, which were starting mid-April through to kind of late May. Um, And, you know, it was just about what was available because I had six months notice, really. There was quite a bit available, but I really diversified, like, which hubs, you know, going through Hong Kong, going through, you know, all the kind of Emirates and Etihad and uh, Qatar, like all the many hubs. The main thing is she really didn't want to transit more than once. So I wanted one hub, one hop from Sydney to Amsterdam, which was not always easy. Obviously, that limits your choices. And I don't have any Star Alliance um, besides Chris Blair. So it only meant I had the kind of one world plus um, Singapore. Um, but still, it was enough diversity that, um, yeah, we were able to book that many. But I started to read some of these Facebook groups, like Australians stuck around the world, of um, you know so many people being bumped coming home that I started to freak out, and that's when I booked some paid tickets because I thought, okay, it's actually one of it's my fiftieth birthday coming up next week, and I don't I wanted her to be home, um, so I actually um, paid for a first class Emirates ticket, um, which would have got her out of quarantine on my birthday. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just as an absolute last resort if all of the other flights right. got cancelled. Right. So yeah. that was about the, I think, eighth in line of all the other tickets that I had booked before. It was kind of a last resort. Yeah. And so you used uh, Qantas Points, uh, American Airlines Advantage Miles and Singapore Airlines Chris Fly Miles to book those eight award tickets. And then, as you said, paid for two refundable business and, and first class tickets just in case none of them That's worked. Right. Um, and right. all, all refundable. Uh, so were all they refundable. were they booked sort of a few days apart so that if the, if the first one got cancelled, then you could just um, try the next one and then, and so on? 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it really depended on what was available. And sometimes I was checking constantly and on this group and this, you know, these sort of groups constantly seeing people's experience and learning things like, um, I already knew that it would be really risky to book two different airlines, but Qantas came up with this KLM Malaysian airline combination on points once. And I was like, oh, well, I'll give it a go, you know? And, and of course the Malaysian airline like got canceled out. And then yeah. of course that made the ticket unviable. So I think sticking with one airline all the way through is definitely the way to go, um, which already limits me because I only had, you know, so many airlines from Amsterdam that would fly to Sydney yeah, or Australia. And so you ended yeah. up, you ended up, getting back, uh, or she ended up getting back rather on the 15th of April on Singapore Airlines. So how did yeah. you book that ticket? So I'm, I'm only new to playing around with Singapore Airlines. Um, thanks to, you know, your podcast and things that should have encouraged you to um, play with beyond Qantas and beyond, you know, and I was actually yes. <laughs> up to a Virgin credit card and luckily had been reading the tea leaves and saw that, you know, version was not going to survive and moved all my points to Singapore um, just before, you know, that all collapsed. So I had plenty of points and you could book like your partner or any, actually anyone, I think on Chris Flyer, like um, yeah, you get five redemption nominees if any, any can be. Yeah. Known. So that was really helpful because Qantas, I mean, she's my wife, so it's, you know, we're fine in terms of um, being family, but hmm. you know, when you're trying to help a friend or, or your other, you know, family, sometimes it'd be tricky to prove you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so it was 116,000 Chris Flyer miles and 57 euros in taxes in the end uh, to actually successfully get from Amsterdam to Sydney on in Singapore Airlines business class. Yeah. And that was the very first flight that I booked, which is because she left on the 15th of January. So it was literally three months that she was gone. And that was, um, I had, I've been reading the blogs, you know, the, the, the Facebook group saying that Singapore was really reliable, but no one had ever talked about points, like whether they were reliable to come home on points. So I had no, you know, no way of knowing whether it would be, you know, viable or not. In the end, when she was on that plane, she said the Amsterdam to Singapore leg was one other person in business besides herself. Wow. Every one of the, say, 20 or 30 people on the whole 787 or whatever it was, were going to Australia and New Zealand, basically. Wow. And and um, so only one other person on that first leg, and then coming home from Singapore to Sydney, she said there's more like 12. But um, so again, you know, just the 30 people sort of max for the plane kind of idea. Yeah, it's it's barely but, um, one at all. Wow. And so so that was um that that ticket was actually honored. So it's that's really it's a really handy tip. Um I mean, of course it's not a guarantee that it's going to work for everyone every time, but um it has worked for you that Sing- and Singapore Airlines is actually booking to the caps. They're not overselling their flights. Um That's right. which is really handy to know. And I understand that um you had quite a few other t- award tickets that had already been cancelled by this point though as well. That's right. So that was, I booked that one in November and, um, you know, cause I'm new to Singapore, I'm not familiar with their systems. And, but when I saw it, I grabbed it and then, um, and then I thought, oh, I better keep booking as many backups. And so I kept looking over the sort of subsequent weeks and weeks before she left and found, um, I think one other Qatar, actually there quite a few Qatar business, um, that I, that everything I booked was business, um, basically, cause there is no first class anymore. I think from, Australia, um, Amsterdam at least, Australia, maybe Emirates, but I couldn't find any of those. Of course, you wouldn't book economy on an award, not not necessarily because uh, you don't want to fly economy, but just because there's no way you're going to get back into Australia on an economy award. Exactly. 
No, that's yeah. right. So, um, so yeah, booked Qatar using American Airlines points because then you get um, much less taxes in Qantas. So I think I only paid you know less than hundred US dollars in taxes, whereas Qantas would be like five hundred dollars in taxes for mm. the Qatar on their Q suites. Um, and that was two days after the Singapore. Then I found a whole bunch of Cathay Pacific flights um, like the day after that Qatar one in April, and then a couple of ones in May. And because Cathay's quite cheap on American Airlines and Qantas, I just you know, used one of the other currencies is pretty much the same cost in terms of points and miles and taxes. Um, but all of those pretty much got canceled by Cathay at least a month or more in advance. I think partly because of the whole Hong Kong 14-day quarantine um, yeah, thing that yeah, they're doing. Yeah, and Cathay's massively scaled back their flights to Australia. I think they just have one flight a week to Sydney now or something. Yeah, but I think that a couple of the ones that I had booked later in May, which I ended up canceling myself because obviously she was already home, um, they had just changed the date on me, but they hadn't actually fully cancelled them. So I think that I maybe could have tried to get to, I think it was a Monday that they were flying on, once a day, once a week to Sydney, that it could have been possible, but I just didn't need to. So I, I cancelled them. Yeah, and the writing was probably on the wall anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it was She was home, so it was lucky, but... Having a lot of those backups just made me feel more secure. Um, but then there was also an Etihad uh, flight I booked on using American Airlines points, um, which changed originally from a nice 24-hour connection to then a 16-hour layover. And eventually, then they canceled it like you know two months later. So um, yeah, that didn't go anywhere. So what happened when they cancelled it? Like when when all these bookings got cancelled, do you just get notified? Oh, your tickets cancelled. We're going to refund. No, no, no. A lot of times they don't notify. So you really have to be vigilant. Like we had to keep checking. Like and and we both did it. Like because it wasn't only like some of those cafe flights. Um, depending on whether it was Qantas American Airlines, they don't always get ticketed. So you might book it and think, oh, good, that's all sorted. And then they're actually sitting in a system and they hadn't actually been ticketed. Uh-huh. So we had to keep checking all that stuff and then do that process. We'd see, oh. Wait a minute, this is no longer like it'd give you a kind of schedule change thing and you're like, Oh, wait a minute, is this still viable? And then you realize it's not. And so you couldn't take anything for granted. You had to keep checking it and um seeing if they're still flying to Australia, seeing if they're still flying out of your hub that you're leaving from and um so it was a lot of work, I think all the time (laughs) yeah so in the end it's obviously worked out for you but as you say quite a lot of work and do you think just the average person uh would be able to use the same strategy of booking multiple different awards and uh, you know a few paid flights uh on successive days that are all refundable i think i mean what what we ended up doing in the end i mean having the 10 flights booked was um a luxury that you know i could do because we had all these different points but the two things that gave me security was buying a paid Qatar business and then in the end, a paid Emirates first class ticket a couple of days apart after about four or five of the frequent flyer tickets, because then I felt like, okay, look, they're going to look after a $10,000, you know, ticket. I think it was 10,000 euro, no, it was dollars. Yeah. For the Emirates first class ticket, one away from Amsterdam, Sydney. And I thought at least I can rest easier if all the frequent flyer ones don't work. Um, so that's the kind of, security blanket for me that I kind of worked hard to make sure the frequent flyer did work, but obviously I couldn't control anything. So in answer to your question, it's, it's not easy, but it's sort of, you've actually got nothing to lose. So I I posted to that uh, Australian stuck around the world group, for example, my, my whole experience and my success story, if you like, of um, flying her both ways on points. And, and I, I kind of peppered it with, look, I know this isn't normal. Like most people don't have points and, you know, but I'm just trying to help. Because if you do have points, you've got nothing to lose to try and book one of these flights. Or a family member which might have points. Exactly. So 
you know, and I think people who are stuck are really in, you know, there are obviously a lot of them in very hard financial positions and mm. a lot of them don't know anything about this stuff. So, um, but yeah, if you do have family members who are stuck, you can help, like you can help book them these tickets and you have nothing to lose because your points will be refunded. Yeah, if the flights get cancelled. And so other than the very low number of passengers on the flights back, I think you said two passengers in business class from um, uh, Amsterdam to Singapore and then a very light load onwards to Sydney. Was there anything um, in particular that Shalini noticed that was unusual about the travel experience? Well, look, a lot of things were cut back. I mean, flying over, she flew Emirates first. And even in Emirates first, it was um, very minimal contact between herself and the crew. So they would bring out a big, thing of snacks and just give her the whole bowl basically and, and plate everything up in one, you know, one meal every, every course on one plate rather than having multiple dealings. Um, she didn't get any pre-champagne, you know, pre-departure champagne. Um, no, no pajamas. Uh, I don't think Singapore gives amenity kits anyway, but like, you know, so a lot of the sort of standard business class trappings, no lounges, like um, in Sydney, there was um, no lounges open at the time. So she got like a tiny voucher for you know the two eateries that were open and um Amsterdam as well there was one not very nice lounge but you know it was, she was just grateful I think I know that lounge it's dreadful <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah I think it was the main thing is you know Singapore is known for its service but she couldn't experience any of it because they were so careful and she didn't mind she was just so happy to be on the plane yeah oh, that's good to know at least to set expectations and as, as you say I think that exactly. she would have been just just thrilled to have been able to travel anyway so it wouldn't be too much of an issue, but it's good to know, like if, if that's what you're going in expecting, you know, the usual Emirates first class service, um, exactly. it's not quite what you're getting at the yeah. moment. Yeah. So the other thing about um, flying business, which um, was beneficial, particularly coming home, is she, you know, was obviously first off the plane and like she had read through other kind of Facebook groups, like the mandatory 14 day quarantine group about um, being first on the bus so that you can ask for an upgrade once you get to quarantine. Um, she was lucky and I'm probably jumping ahead in your questions, but she got, um, at the Sheraton Grand Sydney Hyde Park, which is a nice five-star hotel, but, um, you know, she wanted fresh air and, you know, to see if she could upgrade. And and they basically said, sure, you can have an upgrade for twice the price. So $6,000 for a a balcony. (laughs) Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So she ended up in quarantine at the Sheraton, which was allocated to her by whoever does that on arrival. And then she was able to upgrade that. Well, she's offered it and she decided she didn't want to pay $6,000 just for a window, you know, and some air. So it wasn't a fun 14 days, but they catered to her vegetarian very well. She had a bath and kind of her main, and she's able to rent an exercise bike um, through people who basically were posting to that Facebook group about, you know, this person will get a bike delivered to your room. And so, you know, made the experience very manageable and, you know, we just tolerate it for 14 days. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I've heard very mixed experiences about hotel quarantine. Some said it was okay. Some said um, that it was the worst thing they've done in their life. So that, that's really interesting. You, you mentioned a couple of Facebook groups. So if, if Australians are coming back from overseas, what are the groups that they should be joining to get help from other people in a similar situation? Yeah. Um, so the one, I guess, that I started with was Australians Stuck Around the World, which is really, it's so many sad stories of, of people, but also um, they post a lot of travel agents as well. So for people who really want to, like not able to do the work that I did, I guess, who just want a paid ticket of these experienced people who know which hubs are flying, which are not flying and, you know, all the kind of things that if you just book on a online travel agent or something, you don't realize that 
that's a ticket that actually doesn't exist, you know, and, and people yes. are not getting refund, refunds. So that was, there's so much helpful tips and information on that. And, um, and I actually posted to the group back in December when this, I was planning all this and, and said, has anyone had any experience or luck with points? And I got absolutely nothing. Like no one had had any, you know, no one basically had any luck and everyone was saying, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, you are actually um, the first person I've heard from who's been able to um, book a ticket coming back from Europe in during the last year, really, on points and being wow. successful. So, yeah, it just goes to show how hard it is. It's not hard to leave, I think, on points, although I, I mm. checked for a friend who wants to go to London in the next couple of months and, and it's actually a lot less than it was back in December, January. Um, okay. But also that's London. It probably depends on your hub, where you want to go to and, yeah. you know, and all those. I think I've, I have heard of one person who came back from the United States on points, but that would have been on, mm-hmm. I think it was on Delta or United and it was one of like the, the more expensive, like flexible awards, which cost like 300,000 or 400,000 miles, oh, not, wow. not like one of the saver awards. Um, so yeah. yeah, it, I guess it depends on where you're coming from as well and, and the program, but it, yeah, quite, quite difficult, but it can be done and uh, you've been able to prove that. So that's really, really interesting. Thanks a lot, Devin, for joining me on the podcast and yeah, all the best. No worries. Thanks, Matt. And if you're an Australian stuck overseas or in hotel quarantine and you're interested in either of the Facebook groups that Devin mentioned during the interview, there are links to both of those in the episode notes. Did you know that you can get more from your Australian Frequent Flyer membership by upgrading to Silver or Gold membership? For just $50 a year, Silver members see no advertisements on most AFF website pages. And for only $75 a year, in addition, Gold members can receive discounted travel goods and services valued at over $400 per year, including discounts on Qantas Club, Expert Flyer, NordVPN and more. Gold members also receive an AFF supporter banner beside their forum posts as a way of saying thank you for supporting the website and for supporting this podcast. For more information, visit australianfrequentflyer.com.au forward slash upgrade. Well, this fortnight I've received a comment and a question, I guess, from Mel World on the AFF on Air discussion thread. Mel World says, firstly, Matt, I'm still enjoying the podcast. They're a valuable summary of the latest news. Thank you so much for that. And uh, Mel World has one comment and one question. So firstly, this person says, there has been much negative commentary around the Singapore Airlines Chrisflyer policy of having a time limit on points. My wife is affected, so I'm not in favour of expiring points, but a solution is to fly enough to gain PPS, and then the points will never expire as long as you can maintain this level of recognition, uh, which Melwood says is not easy, they admit with the borders closed. Um, well, yes, that is that is true. That is a fact. If you are a PPS club member, your Chris Flyer miles indeed do not expire. And even if you then uh, lose your PPS club status, your entire balance will then reset for another three years from the time that you lose it. So that is a way to stop, one of very, very few ways of stopping your um, Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer miles from expiring. But yeah, I do think you've hit the nail on the head when you said that you'd admit that it's not easy with the borders closed. Now, I mean, just for a bit of context for people who might not be familiar with PPS Club, Singapore Airlines has sort of two elite programs. They have the elite silver and gold status, which is kind of equivalent to Star Alliance silver and gold. But then they also have a separate status program called PPS Club, which stands for Priority Passenger Service. And it's kind of like the Qantas Platinum One or the Chairman's Lounge of Singapore Airlines. 
To earn PPS Club, you'd need to spend at least $25,000 Singapore dollars on Singapore Airlines business or first class tickets within a year. And airport taxes don't count towards that. So in reality, it's probably more like $26,000 or $27,000 on SQ business or first class tickets. Now, if you can get there, it's uh, you know it's worth having. Like your miles won't expire, and of course, there's many other benefits. And if you have millions and millions of Chris Fly miles at risk, then it is an option for you. However, yeah, I would suggest that this is probably going to be quite difficult for most Australians while the borders remain closed and travel to Singapore is restricted. If at some point we um, do open up a travel bubble with Singapore and actually flying Singapore Airlines business or first tickets is an option, then it could be something to look into. Um, although that's not looking like it's going to happen anytime soon now. Singapore's unfortunately just gone into another lockdown. Now, Melworld also says you discussed points being lost on the death of a member in the last episode. If one had a terminal illness and could not fly anymore or otherwise use up the points, could you book flights for your redemption nominees even if travel may occur after the member's death? And would the nominees be able to use the tickets? Um, I believe so as the points usually leave your account as you book the itinerary or service. Um, yeah, now, as, as you say, yeah, I'm pretty sure that would be fine. I don't see any reason you couldn't do this um, as long as the award bookings were ticketed before the member died, if it's one of those programs where the points or the miles get forfeited upon the death of the member. Um, so, yep, you could do that, absolutely. Um, however, what I would probably suggest if um, if this is a family member and the program allows family points transfers, so Qantas and Velocity do allow this, for example, um, look into transferring the points into other family members accounts before this person passes away if the program does allow that would be my suggestion now i've also received a question by email from james who asks can you think of any reason to leave Qantas points as business rewards points if you have business rewards points in their account rather than transferring them to standard Qantas points now, firstly, I'll just um, give a bit of context here for people who might not be familiar with the Qantas Business Rewards Program. So it's the it's the business loyalty program, I guess, of Qantas. You need an ABN to get a business rewards account, and basically, um, you can earn your or your business can earn Qantas Business Rewards points, and then one business rewards point is worth one Qantas point. You can transfer out your Qantas Business Reward points to any Qantas Frequent Flyer member, be it yourself or a family member, maybe a staff member or a friend or anyone else. Uh, But you just have to transfer at least 3,000 points at a time. Uh, Now, I have a Qantas Business Rewards account, and I regularly transfer points from that to my Qantas account. I mean, they're not really uh, worth anything in your Business Rewards account, so I don't see much point really in keeping them in there. Although, if you don't need to use them right away, there is no harm really in keeping them in your Business Rewards account. And um, points transferred from Business Rewards do not count towards Points Club anyway. So, that might be that could have been one reason that you might keep them in your account, so that maybe if you've already qualified for Points Club this year, um, you might want to uh, save them and then transfer them in the next year, but they, they don't count anyway towards that. So um, it's not much point really in um, not transferring them as soon as you have enough to transfer out. Um, there are a couple of reasons though that you might keep them in business rewards. Um, so p- in particular, because you do need to trans have at least 3,000 business rewards points in your account, 
um, to transfer them out. You want to make sure you might want to make sure that you always have three thousand points in there so that um, they aren't stuck if you end up having a low balance. And keep in mind that business rewards exp- uh, points do expire after eighteen months of account inactivity, just like Qantas frequent flyer points. So you don't want to risk having them expire without being able to transfer them out. Although it's not that difficult to earn more Qantas business rewards points, for example, by uh, buying wine. Now, if you're not yet sure also if uh, who you want to transfer the points to, you might also want to keep them in your Qantas Business Rewards account for now so that um, whenever you are ready to transfer them out, you can transfer them to someone other than your family member. So remember, like I was saying before, you can transfer Qantas Frequent Flyer points between family members, but you can't transfer them, or it's not within the programmed conditions anyway, to transfer them to people outside of your family. So if you want to keep some points that you can transfer to other people, you might want to keep them in your business account, for example. Well, if you have a question that you'd like to ask me, feel free to post it in the AFF on air discussion thread. That's the best place to do it. And you'll find a link to that thread in the notes for this episode. And that's just about all that I've got time for this fortnight. But before I go, just a quick shout out to Luke G 1973, who kindly left a review on Apple Podcasts in this fortnight saying that um, they find the podcast a fantastic resource. Thank you so much for that. Um, Luke says in the review that he moved from Sydney to for, um, to Sydney rather from BHX. I guess that would be Birmingham in the UK uh, four years ago, and that AFF has helped him on the journey of switching from accumulating British Airways Avios to Qantas points. Uh, really glad to hear that. Thanks a lot, Luke. And if you're also enjoying this podcast, or even if you're not, uh, please do take a moment just to review it on Apple Podcasts. I'd really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Listener.